Victoria. You might recognize me as Ember of Whitebridge. I have the honor of being like the D&D grandmother's daughter-in-law, which sadly makes me the DM's wife. I have asked my fellow D&D party members to send me some questions they have for our DM. A little Q&A to hold us over until we all can sit at the table again. And since we've all wrapped up the first part, let's get some questions out that maybe our DM was unwilling to share until now. <laughs> I am an open book. Sure you are. So I have a couple questions. First, I'm going to start very generalized, like what type of DM you are. Okay. And then a little bit oh, wait, more. Should we, should we tell the audience that I don't know what the questions are? These are... There's been no preparation here. There's been nothing now. Victoria has the questions from the party. I don't know what they are. We're going to... This just, is all done behind his back. We're going to be sharpshooting this. Yes. So. Okay. So everyone always says, always the biggest question for a DM is, where do you get your inspiration? Mm -hmm. But I want to actually ask you, because I know, as your wife, I know you get inspiration everywhere from all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But can you give us an actual example from like you know, a character you saw or some sort of idea, idea that you were actually able to take and use, like how it translates? I think the easiest one for that would be Cormion. Um, Lord Cormion was obviously based on Dracula, but um, he was more than just Dracula. He was specifically based on the 1979 film version of Dracula, the one starring Frank Langella. That character, the way that, the way that Langella played Dracula as a nobleman like he didn't play dracula as this beast of the night who this creepy guy this creepy guy who stalked the shadows and that's not how he played him he played him as a nobleman mm. you know a very elegant uh aristocratic type of guy who just happened to be a vampire mm. that was that was what built cormion in my mind and that was actually what kickstarted the entire campaign cormion mm. was my first the first of several big big bad story arcs you were going to face and um i just kind of built forward from that point but um that's that's probably the easiest counter um counterpart that i can think of just as an example yeah. there's others yeah, yeah, yeah. No, i've pulled sense. i've pulled from other parts of fiction movies television shows but that's a that's the best example i can think of cormia okay um i want you to actually give me a little bit more insight i know that there's so many people out there who want to be a dm and I feel anybody can watch a movie, read a book, listen to music that can inspire them. But I want you to give me some sort of insight because you can write notes and get inspiration anywhere. But how are you able to actually take that and form it into a campaign? Sit down and have people interact with it. Like what tools do you use? Tools. Well, uh, I know I see you take your phone out and you'll be like, oh, let me make a note of that real fast. You know what I mean? Oh, that's be ready to make notes on the fly constantly. Mm -hmm. Have some sort of notepad, whether it's an actual pen and paper notepad, whether it's the notepad program, whether it's, you know, Word document, have something running at all times where you can just scribble down, spoke to this person, you know, player did this. You know, mm -hmm. that's... It's, it, you have to understand that it's a living world and that mm. the players are going to do things that are going to change your plan and you need to be ready for that. As far as making it your own, the, the biggest piece of that is just knowing your world, knowing your lore, knowing the history of your world. That way you can adapt anything they throw at you to that world. Mm. You don't want to get locked in too much to you know the path. This leads to this leads to this. You want to be able to form it and just constantly understand the world is going to be living and reacting to what your players are doing. Yeah, absolutely. My next question is, 
how much of your material that you've written that you are taking all this time and energy into writing how much of it was actually like left on the cutting room floor that never actually got there <sighs> mainly because we foiled your plans we did something to you how much I, there's no way for me to know that because sometimes there's a lot of I could sit down with one page worth of preparation and get four hours out of it. Mm -hmm. There's also been times I've sat down with 30 pages of preparation and had to throw out 20 of them. You know, know, there's no way for me to know how much of it was left on the cutting room floor. Uh, I can give you one example. There was supposed to be, when uh, when you came back from fighting Okeanos and uh, you found out the bone chewers had taken over the city and they blew up the White Bridge... And that whole arc was supposed to be much longer. Mm. Cragen was supposed to get away. The, when the, During the fight when Umbra kills him, he was supposed to get away. He had a scroll of teleportation on him that he was going to use to peace out. And then I was planning to get a whole other month, at least, of you all chasing him through the city and trying to track him down. I figured in that battle, you were going to repel the bone chewers. You were probably going to take a big chunk out of them and hurt them badly, and then it was just going to be hunting him down and taking Kragen out. And then Umbra kills him in that battle. He's never able to get away. So that's at least one month worth of stuff that had to be uh, fast-tracked. And that's why the campaign ended when it did, and that's why a certain big reveal about Rowena happened sooner than I had planned, because... I said, well, they just killed Kragen. Now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, trying to fast track. <laughs> there wasn't much left at that point. Yeah. So. Now, bring that question in. You said you said that Ember, I'm sorry, not Ember. You said that Umbra mm-hmm. kills him too quickly, essentially, for your plan. I didn't expect that. Yeah. yeah. So here's a question that your sister sent in, Denise, also. Also known as Sashin Thunderfoot. Of course. She asked, what annoys you more? when a character rolls these amazing numbers and kills somebody quickly or is just hacking away at them because they can't hit like what actually gets under your skin more like like is it like oh man now i can't have my fun with my character or is it more of like oh this is tedious (laughs) neither one of those annoys me Uh, if i had to pick between just those two i guess i would say rolling the natural 20 to take out what I had planned would be more annoying, even though the players have a lot of fun with that. And if your players are having fun, you're DMing right. Yeah. So how can, who am I to get annoyed at that? I never get annoyed at players rolling natural ones. I, I feel bad. I feel terrible. You know, during the Okeanos fight when... Uh, with Sashim know, specifically. <laughs> couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a, with a mallet. Yeah. And I, I really felt bad for her because I could just see that... That dejected posture. She's sitting there with her shoulders slumped. And yeah. I've been there, done that, when the dice are just not cooperating. Yeah. I think what annoys me the most is when you would over-focus on something that's totally irrelevant. It's like, <laughs> guys, it's literally just a door. Just open the door and go in the tavern. I, like, think, it's I think that's a universal. A like, I want to roll an investigation, and I want to talk to the door. I cast door speak. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's yeah. a door. You know, things like that. You're anything, overthinking it, yeah. Yeah, if anything annoys me, it's that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So now, one of my questions is, because you know I'm a DM, and I, I feel like I always have an issue with this when I... And making my campaign and my adventures is the monsters we're about to fight. 
So mm-hmm. my question is, do you find a monster that you like and then you build around it? Or do you say you building your story and then you're like, oh, I got to throw a monster in there. Like, how do you find the monsters and how do you incorporate them into the game? It's a combination of both. It sort of depends on what the party's doing and where they're doing it. Uh, if I need to throw a random encounter at you because I know you're going to be in the wilderness for a while and I need to break up the action, I'll say to myself, okay, where are we right now? We're in the mountains. Then I'll go to the monster annual. What lives in the mountains? Mm-hmm. So what could potentially be there? And that's the story and the world driving what the monster is. However, in the case of the Okeanos fight, I know you're chasing an, adult, an, an ancient white dragon. Mm-hmm. I know he's going to have a lair. I know what the lair's going to be. And I know what should be around there so and that's the case of you're going after the monster and i'm building everything around this monster so frost giants are going to be there younger dragons are going to be there you're probably going to pass a remoraz or three on the way there and uh, it's a combination of the two you need to be ready for one to drive the other and to shuffle things around as needed yeah okay that sounds really good so now this is a question from Kristen. oh fuck she always has these um, these very unique questions. She's got a whole bunch here. Oh, awesome. So, um, this Why am I not surprised? Of course. <laughs> so the first one that we have from her Kristen, is... Kristen, also known as Lady Sariel Tremaine. Of course. LLC. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did you develop that last dungeon? She is ah. she admires the, the she's always said that she loves that dungeon but this one is she actually says so many unique traps she specifies that so there were more than just walk into a room fight walk into a room fight it was just like this random mist what is it and mm-hmm. again we over analyzed it but when we finally stepped through it it was something we completely didn't expect mm-hmm. so where did you get all of those little tiny inspirations uh, a good chunk of that dungeon was uh, inspired from uh, the Tomb of Horrors, which is in the Wizards of the Coast book. Uh, it's part seven of the uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal book. Okay. So that's where I got the idea for the mosaic tiles and the, the colorful, like, in uh, like I, I think I described it as, like, small square bathroom tiles type mm-hmm. thing. That's where I got that idea. And there's a lot of traps in there that involve mist and things like that. But when I read it, I didn't like what the traps completely did. Tomb of Horrors is specifically designed to be complicated with traps and a lot of investigation to figure things out. Put the blue one over here, put the orange one over here. I knew if I threw that at you guys, you'd be bored to tears. <laughs> I, I know my party. I, I know what, what you guys would find fun and what you guys would just find tedious. Yeah, only one or two of us would be like, this is fun. The rest of us would be like, I'm going to go get a snack. Yeah, you, you and Laura. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of the table would fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um... So I'm like, okay, what would they find fun? What would get a reaction out of my family? What could I change here? And then the more I went for it, the more I began to change the dungeon. Uh, Tomb of Horrors also has multiple entrances. It also has multiple paths, which I've also learned I shouldn't do too much of that with the family. I need, in dungeons, I try to keep it as linear as possible. Yeah, one um, door, maybe a side chamber, and that's yeah, about it. Because, yeah. you know, I know, and this is not an insult to the party, mm-hmm. just this is the type of party it is. You guys tend to, you guys would lose your way and backtrack, wait, now did we go this way? Mm-hmm. And I don't want you guys to have to focus on that. I want you guys to focus on the story and having fun. Mm-hmm. The easiest way for me to do that with the family is to keep it on a fairly linear path. Yeah, a lot of that, like in, in Tomb of Horrors, there's also a long corridor 
with multiple doors. Mm -hmm. But I changed what was behind those doors. Mm -hmm. uh, in Tomb of Horrors, there's a big thing on the wall that's, when you look into the mouth, it's a sphere of annihilation. I didn't want to use the sphere of annihilation. I thought, I, I just didn't want to use it on you guys. So I changed it into the fact that Rowena programmed the finger of death spell. So when Tor looked into the mouth, he got hit with finger of death. Little things like that that I just said, okay, what could I take and just make this more fun for that for, for you guys? Yeah. If I was running that for a different group, I might have done a completely different dungeon. So another, oh, I don't know who this is from. I might have changed this a little because I think a couple people asked it. Okay. But when you start a campaign, do you know how it's going to end? Or do you have to improvise as the challenge dictates? Yes. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, knew, I knew from the moment I introduced her into the campaign that Rowena was, was the big bad. I didn't know how we were going to get there completely. Um, I knew what she was up to, I knew what her plan was, but I didn't know, like for example, things could have happened that the bone chewers never show up. Things could have gone differently. Um, there's little hints throughout the campaign, podcast listeners, if you want to go back and re-listen, uh, there's little hints in there that there's backdoor dealings going on. And if somebody had picked up on, a, on the scent of something other than something else... Maybe the bone chewers never get a foothold and Rowena's got to change everything. So. Aw, oh, man, Wendell could still have his hand. Wendell might still have had his hand. I didn't yeah. know any of that. The biggest thing, the biggest thing that changed is the Battle of Whitebridge is the Durgars never breached. The Dur Oh, we held them off. Yeah, because Umber decided to start shooting the cannons and that was the end of that. I destroyed some stuff. You did. You destroyed the trebuchets and Umbra on the wyvern blowing up the cannons. They are, they are she just does so much damage with one single shot. It's I, insane. I don't, I don't even want to talk about it right now. Yeah. I'm still a little... She's still, you're it. still hurt. Oh. <laughs> and see, and that's where the question comes. Is it more annoying for when they roll a crit? Like, that's what it is. Because we see your face is so dejected and you're just like, <laughs> I'm going to go home now, guys. But here's like, the thing. I know that that was one of... Laura's best memories in the game mm -hmm. is her flying on the wyvern and blowing up the cannons. Mm -hmm. So who the hell am I to get annoyed at that? My player's going to remember that probably for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. So who am I to be annoyed at the fact that she did that? Mm -hmm. uh, but to, to circle back to the question, that was a big thing. Like, you never figured out completely what Rowena's connection to General Kalzim was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but if he, if the Durgars breached and got inside the city walls... The campaign goes totally different. The, from that moment, the campaign goes on a completely different track. So, it's it's a bit of both. It's like, I know who it is behind the curtain pulling the strings, but I don't know how we're going to get there. And you need to be able to adapt and have the world continuously move and the cogs are always moving around what the party's doing. Interesting. Is there anything in the campaign that you regret? Oh, that's interesting. Maybe a, something that you wrote in, a character you brought in, or something that you didn't develop enough. I feel I missed some opportunities with the Kenku when you met the Kenku on the airship. Okay. I was focusing on having the Kenku mimic you guys. I should have had some pre-generated phrases that the Kenku had remembered from past things that it had heard that could have hinted at other things happening in the world. And that, was, I felt, was a missed opportunity. I could have done more with that. I still regret uh, when you uh, cured uh, Lord Fergus Tremaine of the, the spell that Rowena had him under. Uh, I really wish I had remembered to put a hex bag on him somewhere. 
Yeah, so, to to pull back in the reference. The reference to the which I'm, I uh, I don't know if you if there's any questions about Rowena specifically, but she was inspired by Rowena from Supernatural, who's the witch on. Oh, I can't stand. I know it's one of the reasons why I use that. Oh. <laughs> She's a, the character played by the, uh, Ruth Connell on the Supernatural series, and her being a witch, she uses hex bags to charm people. So that seems like a minor thing, but I did consider that a missed opportunity as well. So if anything, I regret. I mean, those are the two that think of right now. But the only things that I would regret would be things like that. Thought things that I felt were missed opportunities. I still feel I could have done a little bit more with the Battle of Whitebridge. Uh, everyone, all of you guys told me no, it was epic, and I, I love you for it. But I listen to it now, and I, I see missed opportunities, things I could have done differently. But um, I think everybody has that yeah. ability. Because even in the battle, I was proud of myself when I took out a lot of people. But then I was so proud of myself that I went and I rescued Steven, and I brought him back. And then I didn't even know what to do with him. I was like, uh, stay over there. <laughs> no, you want to come? Okay. Uh, like, it was just like, I didn't know what to do. And I definitely played it off because my character didn't know what to do absolutely but it was also me <laughs> but yeah. okay here's another opposite question what element of the game are you most proud of Ooh, element of the game i'm most proud of something that you created a character you created or maybe a, a specific event or like the battle of white bridge that is I know because I live with you how much effort you put into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That took all there was a lot of planning and writing and rewriting and rewriting. I was You had things timed, you had music yeah. timed, you yeah. had everything then, ready to go. Laura fucked it all up. <laughs> oh yeah. You were like, Oh, they're gonna they're gonna fall back to the rally point and that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, they never breached. That changed everything. Um, that could have been another three or four episodes of just the battle if that had gone differently. But um, uh, I do love Wendell. I do. I grew. I really. He was going to be a throwaway character who was just going to be kind of in the background, as you know, would pop up every now and then, until Laura came to me with her backstory about uh, having a contact. In the she city. came in later. She came. She joined us uh, two sessions in. Uh, she didn't join us until the third session, which was episode ten. Mm. is when we began the third session. And she gave me her backstory about this contact that she had in the city that she was working for. And I started to think to myself, well, what if it's Wendell? What if Wendell was her contact? Nobody would see it coming. There's not a single person at the table who would, who would expect it to be Wendell. And, uh, yeah, everybody would... You was... throw us way off. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I started to think about who Wendell could really be. Like, what, what, is, what makes him tick? And I, could he still keep that off? Hello, good to see you. Could he still keep that front about him? And I really grew to enjoy playing Wendell. He was probably my favorite NPC. Really? Yeah. Even I, above like Cormion and Rowena I, and all the big ones. I loved. I loved being Cormion, Rowena, the Doctor. Uh, I, I enjoyed playing all of them, but Wendell was special for me at least. I was. I really grew to like Wendell. Yeah, that's very good. Wendell kind of had a, a crush on. Umbra in the beginning. Yeah, and then that whatever. Yeah. I, some, She's like, oh, let's be friends. <laughs> and that's fine. And I got that feeling that that's how Umbra wanted it to be, and I never, I stopped. I never forced the issue with that. So yeah. th that is what it is. You know, when I hinted that the Doctor might have a little thing with Sa with Sariel, Kristen reacted totally differently. She yeah. jumped in with both feet. So we explored that storyline. Mm -hmm. Just follow your player's lead. Listen yeah. to what they want. Yeah. 
do you have a favorite episode of all time? One whole episode of favorite from the entire last campaign. How many episodes are there? After the rebrand, when we when we came back with starring D&D Grandma, and we came back with the wedding after the three-year time jump, that mm-hmm. was 30. And I think there was 48 prior to that. Wow. So 78 episodes total of this campaign. I don't know if I could pick just one. Uh, my favorite gun to my head is probably going to be the epilogue. Really? Yeah. Gun to my head is probably the epilogue. Can you explain why? Oh, you guys got so into character that it just watching you all just embrace your characters and just knowing that this campaign took you to that emotional place was very special to me. So many tears. Oh yeah, lots of tears. And I have a bruise on my arm still from getting hit <laughs> from mom. <laughs> mom still got it. Man. I had to move She's my chair it. across the table she was so angry with me for my choices with my character <laughs> she bruised me <laughs> she still got it man she still got the hand speed oh yeah uh it's never lost it i love i forget the number of the episode but it's prior to the time jump uh the horde arrives is the name of the episode it's right before the battle of white bridge starts all of our planning it's when you're arriving at the wall and you're all yeah you're setting up you're planning you're going on the battlements new laura's going out with the vanguard chris um kristen sariel's setting up the hut she's looking for her father she's looking for samwell uh sashim and tor setting up their positions umbra jumping on the wyvern like i i light all my candles you light all the everything that whole i i'm i love that episode as well uh, it's it's tough for me to pick between the two but those would be my I think my two favorites okay all right can you recall one moment for each player in your campaign that you were proud or impressed with them that's a lot of characters it, there, there's a lot of us but can you recall a moment where you were like good job mom you know or like that was creative or that was inspiring it doesn't have to be well it can be a character, but I think that I feel like you yourself are more proud of like the person sitting in the chair. Yeah, just because yeah, I yeah. know you. Honestly, as much as I joke about it, I'm Umbra shooting the cannons. Yeah, I was like, God damn it, Laura, that is so fucking smart. Yeah, like I would never have thought to do that. You know, yeah. that's a big one uh, for me. Uh, not a story moment, but. When I started realizing we played an entire session and Anthony didn't need my help at all. Oh, yeah. Because I have to help Anthony. Uh, I've had to help him a lot, like remembering his modifiers, add this, advantage for that. And then we played one entire session where I realized he, I didn't have to help him at all. He didn't ask me a single question. He rolled his dice. He knew which what the damage was. He knew what the modifiers were. That was another, like, good job, dude. Like, yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. when you see it click for the player, that's a big moment. D&D is not easy. No, <laughs> it it is just not easy. It's not, it's not at all. It's, it is such an acquired skill. You really have to practice. Like on your skills list, it should be D and D. Like there should be an option. It's uh-huh. tough. Uh, when Kristen starts uh, realizing rules for other players, yeah. Goes, oh no, aren't you already concentrating on something? And I'm like, yeah. I'm so proud of you. Or like, like when you like say that. something, and she's like, Oh no, that's concentration. Or no, that's thirty feet. And you're like, Ah, like because she came to it so much later, and mm-hmm. she doesn't always have the confidence. Right. She's getting better, though. She's gotten a ton better in yeah, this campaign. Oh yeah. Very, very impressed. Oh, yeah. Very impressed. My my best moment for mom 
has not been revealed yet. It'll be revealed in the next campaign. Oh. And it's with the character she has built. What? I am... I don't like this. She gave me a backstory that impressed the hell out of me, and I am very, very impressed. Very proud of her for what she's playing. Sashim, I would say how Denise dove in headfirst on the BFF thing with Sariel. I didn't yeah. expect I didn't expect that kind of role playing out of Denise. I didn't think she would take Sashim there. And she did in a great way. Yeah. And I loved it. Even when she pulled it into the epilogue too, I think that was beautiful. Yeah. It shows the progression of their relationship and it was oh, great. Yeah. And um your idea for Ember's epilogue too. I I loved. Was, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It was one of my favorites. Yeah. I figured she didn't ask for it, she didn't study it, it was not like she wanted it. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be home with her husband. That was her. Yeah. That was her whole thing. And then being the flower girl at the end, that was a nice touch. That was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now those were all of the characters we played. Who is your favorite big bad? My favorite big bad of the whole campaign. Oh, how do I not pick Rowena? Really? Oh my God! How do I? Not That's a gimme. She's so much fun to play, though. Yeah. Uh, and she was the. Cormion was kind of friends with you too, but like Rowena was like a trusted ally. Like she was in council meetings, she was in planning meetings. You went to oh. her for you went to her for help with Okeanos, and I'm sitting there laughing the entire time you're talking to her. I think what's great is that when the bone chewers are attacking, I was like, we have to go to Rowena's. It's the only place that's safe. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what an idiot! And I'm like, I just jumped into her bed. Keep me safe. Ay ay ay. Final answer? Yeah, fi- how do I not pick uh, All right. Boring. <laughs> okay, we're getting to the end now. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're getting to some good, good oh, questions. But I'm, ha- but I'm having fun. We have a couple more, but I want you to get... I want you to think about these because they're good questions. All right. If you can choose one character from this campaign... This comes from Kristen, by the way. Okay. Preface. Choose one character from this campaign either an NPC or a player, to have a drink with. Just sit down and have a drink with. Who is it and why? The doctor, because he'd know where to get the really good liquor. Really? (laughs) He seems like a good time. Yeah. If I was in the mood to go out on the town, the doctor. But honestly, me knowing how how low-key I like to spend my evenings and how I just like to tell stories, Adric Orksbane. Really? Yep. If I could sit down and have a drink with one of them, Adric or or, or Trayvok, the dwarf who never spoke, that'd be even better. Oh God! <laughs> he spoke in the end. He spoke in the end. But yeah, if I was gonna pick one, probably Adric Orkspain, because he'd probably just sit down, have his beer, and mind his business. Maybe tell me some cool war, war stories. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, here's another good one. Why will you forever remember Whitebridge? What will you hold in your heart? What is the thing that you will remember always going forward? The way it affected my players. And the way my players embraced it and really just lived the world. And that's why I love the epilogue. Because that really illustrates it in a way that I can't with words. If you've listened to us, if you played the game, and you get to the end and see what the... That's that's our pit bull, ladies and gentlemen, that you hear right now. That's that his is tail. His tail whacking against the. Uh, He's mad the that table. we're not sitting on the couch. Um, that's what I will take away is how 
the way my players responded to Life Bridge. Okay. Very last question now. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm having a good time over here. I'm sorry. How do you say goodbye to a world that you have created with your family? I'm not saying goodbye to the world. The next campaign takes place in the same world. Uh, we're just moving to a different part of the world. And I don't need to say goodbye to even this part of the world because there's nothing that says we can't revisit it. Uh, the Whitebridge campaign was designed to be a smaller campaign in terms of scope. Uh, like, we didn't really go to many other places. You did have that uh, when you went after Okeanos where you ventured into Winter Night. But other than that, almost everything happens inside the city of Whitebridge. Uh, you do go to Greybreak at one point, and um, I travel a little bit as like an ambassador. Yeah, but that's during, during the that's, break. That's during the time jump. Yeah. There was the little, there was the detour into the Feywild, but for the most part, every eighty percent of the story happens inside Whitebridge, and I kind of designed it that way. It's supposed to be. I, I told mom, I told a few players coming into this campaign that it was going to be more of an independent movie rather than a Michael Bay blockbuster, and I think I achieved that. Uh, this one coming up is going to be a larger scale campaign. Not Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> Just more of like a... Uh, we're pro Maybe like Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be going all over the new continent. There's going to be... Oh yeah, there's going to be all kinds of things happening in the continent. It's going to be a much larger, more epic campaign. But um, And there's nothing that says there won't be a mission that sends you to Balkania. So who knows? We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I will miss these characters very much. Um, I will miss running for them. I will miss seeing what hijinks they get into. But I'm very much looking forward to the new ones as well. I believe all of your party members will be listening to this. Because none of them are going to find out any other way. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, no, I'd rather let the campaign that we just played speak for itself. Uh, there's nothing I need to say, especially the way it ended. It ended perfectly. I'd rather just let that speak for itself and just looking forward to what, what waits for us down the road. All right. Well, thank you very much for this lovely interview. You were a model person coming to join me today. You came on time. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on the show, Victoria. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Perhaps we can do it again sometime. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, was it? oh, did I slip into Samwell? No, bit? no Samwell. I can do Wendell instead. Hello. What about Steven? Steven, hi. Why is, why, okay, there's my last hi, question. Hi. I, refuse, I refuse on this. This is my last question. Why do you make him sound so wimpy? He's not wimpy. <laughs> I didn't intend to make him sound wimpy. Sounds I wanted like freaking Ronald Weasley. I didn't want, Ronald wasn't a wimp. Exactly. He acts like a wimp in the movies, but he's not a wimp. Why did you make <laughs> My lovely Steven, who is a warrior. Why'd you make him? I didn't want to make him a wimp. I wanted to make him out of his element a little bit. I wanted to play him as having to deal with a wife that left him who was a common flower girl. And now she's this epically powerful sorceress. And it's like two completely different people in his mind, and he doesn't know, quite know how to process this. This adventuring, and oh my god, you kill dragons, what is this? Like, I wanted to play him as a guy who was completely out of his element. And uh, it did come off as wimpy, even though I was not trying to make him a wimp. 
That's why I made him like jump every time you casted uh, Sending Man. Like, <laughs> ah, what is that? Because he doesn't. He doesn't. What is this? Like he, I don't know what this shit is. I was trying to play him as someone who was out of his element. That's that was the goal with Steven. So maybe that's your biggest regret. <laughs> regret? No, I, I'm very happy with the way I played Steven. <laughs> my, my poor husband. You made him a whip. My husband made my fake husband a whip. <laughs> All right, that'll be my last question. Okay. All right. This was great, babe. Listen to the new campaign. Yes. If you made it all the way to this point, thank you so much for listening. And we will hopefully be back to entertain you very soon. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> That's my sign off.